Lord, just as we sang that song, Lord, we need you. We, we need you. We need you in our lives. And Father, I know that there's people here that are going through challenges and difficulties, through loss, through sickness. And Father, I pray that you give wisdom to those who are really seeking for wisdom. And that you bring um, comfort and strength to those who need it. Maybe struggling in an area of sin, maybe with an attitude of bitterness or um, anger. Maybe just um, feeling very oppressed by the world, by the attacks of the enemy. I just pray right now that you would bring comfort, that you bring blessing. That, Lord, that you would um, bring us to that place of, of freedom, of liberty, and walking with you and having the joy of the Lord, which is our strength in our hearts. Father, I pray for those. I, I feel like there's those who are sick. I know Travis, um, who couldn't be here because he, he's dealing with uh, sickness and flu and pray for healing for him. But Lord, I also feel like there are those perhaps that are here that need a physical touch. Lord, you bring healing right now. That you bring strength to their bodies. And we can come and ask, Lord. And I pray that you would do that work in them. Touch them from the top of their toes to the soles of their feet. For those who need an emotional touch, um, spiritual touch in some way, that you're the God that cares for us and you love us. And Lord, that you do that touch. That Lord, that um, we would perceive your presence, that you're here, you care for your people. And Father, I do pray for um, those who perhaps are going through financial difficulties that you would provide, or maybe going through problems with relationships. It might be a spouse, it might be with kids, it might be at work, it might be with neighbors. Lord, that you would bring uh, wisdom, that you would bring clarity and understanding in the situation, that there be, Lord, um, a coming together. There be forgiveness where there needs to be forgiveness, a restoring, Lord, a working in a mighty way. Because these are challenges that can really wear on us. And wear on a family and wear on a marriage. You bring that healing to them and marriage couples that need it. And Father, I do pray that you just, um, Lord, as we have a group going to Israel, we thank you for that opportunity. And I pray that we have travel mercies and be on time with flights and and be able to see... um, the places where Jesus walked and the prophets, Israel of old, which is modern day Israel today, is the, the, your people back in the land and see how you're preparing them for what is yet future. And so, Lord, I pray that we can bring it back and bless everyone. We pray for health and, and safety. And Lord, I, I pray that you would just take care of everyone here while we're gone. And Father, I do also ask that you would, um, Lord, just guide us as a church. That the place as we talk about and people wonder about, are we going to expand? Is that a thought? Lord, we want to give it to you. 
because we don't want the ministry to just be about money. We know that um, and we appreciate the support that we can do the work of the kingdom. And we got to have lights and we thank you for this facility. We thank you for the years that we've been here and be able to maximize it. We want to continue to do that as long as you have us here to be content. But Lord, also that you would meet our needs. And you are the one that as your hand is on us, that you give us a singleness of heart. And Lord, it would be a testimony to not only me, but it'd be a testimony to this congregation that you're going to provide and see you working exceedingly abundantly above all that we can hope or ask. And Lord, also that um, it would be a testimony to this community of just waiting on you and trusting in you and resting in what you're doing. And Father, I know that the enemy is not happy with what has taken place here, what has taken place in, in the radio, uh, reaching so many or outreaches or those going out and future mission uh, you know, endeavors that some are involved in, uh, praying about future trips to, to Africa or perhaps to Russia or maybe even to, to other places, to Costa Rica, those who are praying about those trips and, and, and heading out overseas or somewhere else, um, Lord, that you would guide them and provide for them, that we want to pray for them. Even as Harley is heading this week or here in a few days back to Haiti and doing some work there, and we lift him up, we pray for him, that you'd bless him and, and all the efforts that he's made through in motions and being a part of this congregation, going to Haiti's and we thank you for his willingness to be able to do that. And Lord, we just pray that um, whatever you have for us, that, that we would step out in, in faith and, and Lord, look to you, that we wouldn't be a church that's lazy about being in your word or praying, just as we're going to talk about laziness here tonight. And uh, Lord, I do pray that you would um, just guide us in every way, that more than anything, that we would proclaim you that we be true to your word, that we would love one another, fellowship with one another, that we would reach out to our Jerusalem here at Greeley and then to, you know, Samaria and, and the ends of the earth as we just are led by you in every single way to be used in these last days because I know your son's coming back and the days are short. And so, Lord, we want to be ones that are sensitive to you and being led by you in every way. We don't want to be sidetracked by the philosophy of the world or what everybody else, you know, tells us that we're to be about. We don't want it to exalt a, a name or anything. We want to exalt Jesus. And just as Paul said, I come preaching nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. We want to declare your word in truth and gospel to others. And I pray tonight as your word goes forth that you would bless your people and touch our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for allowing me just spend some time in prayer. I think it's good for us to stop and do that. And, um, we are in chapter 26 of Proverbs. And what I also pray that as we go through the Word of God, that the Word of God is really touching your heart. And the, this book of wisdom, I think it's been so good to go through 
these Proverbs, and uh, I pray that, and I know that as you come here and as you read it yourself and as we study it and take our time going through it, that it's a blessing and beneficial to you as well. I've really enjoyed the study in Proverbs and, and going through it, and I've been tremendously blessed by it. And it's interesting, going through Proverbs, what we've seen is c- contrasting thoughts in Proverbs, haven't we? Because Proverbs talks about not only living in wisdom, but also it talks about the one who lives foolishly. And that's what we're going to see tonight as we go through the first 12 verses here, that it talks about the one who lives a foolish life. And we're going to see that, um, you know, the, the consequences, the negative consequences and repercussions that we can experience if we are ones that we are receiving that foolish advice or honoring a fool or giving in to one who is uh, living foolishly. And so these are very important verses that we're going to read. Just as we've seen contrast in between the wicked and the righteousness, uh, the one who's diligent, the one who's lazy. And what we're going to see also in this chapter is in verses 13 through 16 is that Solomon, inspired by the Spirit of God, is going to talk about laziness. And then the one who speaks, you know, words of encouragement versus the one who's a gossiper and a talebearer, and that's how the chapter ends. So let's get into chapter 26, verse 1. As snow in summer and rain and harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. And this makes sense, doesn't it? Because if you have snow in summer, matter of fact, I was reading that I think that the latest snow recorded in Denver, I don't know about here in Greeley because we're at a lower elevation, was June the 6th. And I can't think of that. June the 6th, having snow on the ground, um, that is not right. That's just, you know, is something that... um, I remember not this last year, but the two years before that, remember we had that heavy snow on Mother's Day? And Mother's Day is a day where you're starting to think about going to, you know, the the garden centers and the nurseries and, uh, you know, starting to get the flowers that you want to plant. And here it is, it's snowing six, eight inches on the ground. And um, so snow in summer, it's just not a, a, a good thing. And rain and harvest, because harvest, you really want it to be dry. You don't want it to be uh, rainy and wet because it can be very difficult or disastrous when it comes at harvest time. So Solomon now likens that to a fool that is honored. And keep in mind that as we talk about fools, it is the one who rejects the wisdom of God, is the one who doesn't want to learn God's word. It does not want to humble himself and receive words of wisdom from others. And so we've seen that foolishness is linked to, you know, um, to wickedness is is linked to uh, that which is not pleasing to the Lord. So here he continues in verse two, like a flighting sparrow and like a flying swallow. So a curse without cause shall not alight. Uh, Once again, Solomon gives this picture as he relates it to a fool. uh, When a a fool, you know, curses you or tries to make you out to be a villain and, uh, you know, starts saying things about you. Here it's like this bird. He gives a picture of this bird's uh, swallows. We see them uh, here in this area. They're just flying around in the summertime and, and they're eating bugs, and, but they don't really land. You don't really see them land anywhere. And so a fool gives a curse you know, begins to talk negatively, but it doesn't really stick. And it just reminds me of Isaiah chapter 54 that declares that no weapon formed against us will prosper. 
And so what we are to do is that we are to continue in the things of the Lord, walking in godly integrity and wisdom, and, and the foolishness of the world that's all around us flying around, don't let it stick to you. And know that God's going to bless you as you walk with him and look to him. And a whip for the horse and a bridle for the donkey and a rod for a fool's back. And so these animals, you might use a whip or a bridle to get them to, to go or to do what the master of the animal wants them to do. And, and that's a picture, again, of don't be foolish where a rod has to be used that is a spiritual rod because you're acting very foolishly. And David would write about that in the Psalms, in Psalm 32. David would write um, in that, that don't be like the horse and like the mule, which has no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle. We want to be yielding to the Lord. Um, and yes, the Bible talks about being yoked to Christ, but here it's talking about the one because of foolishness or disobedience, the Lord chastening the one like a, a horse that has to be, um, you know, fitted with a, a, a bit, a, a, a rod, a, a, you know, with a, um, a bridle uh, because they're, they're going their own way. And the master has to keep them in line and following after them. We want to follow the Lord freely. We want to be ones that, that Lord, you know, and the Lord's had to do this to me. You know, he's had to bridle me because I want to go in that direction and the chastening of the Lord. But I don't want to live a life of foolishness to where the Lord desires to do that. David says, I, I pray that I'm not like that which has no understanding. I must be harnessed with bit and bridle. And then in verse 4, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And so these two verses being connected, you answer a fool or give heed to a fool, and it, it, what is going to happen is going to bring you down. And you will become foolish, and he will begin to think that he's wise rather than being corrected or being rebuked. I think a good illustration of that in the Old Testament is when you read 1 Kings chapter 22, that Ahaz, the king of the 10 northern tribes, uh, we read a lot about Ahaz. He was a very wicked king. His wife was Jezebel, and Jezebel was very violent. She's the one that killed a lot of the prophets of God up there in Israel. She's the one that wanted to kill Elijah and send Elijah running for his life down to the mountain of God. And she's the one that plotted to kill Naboth so Ahaz, her husband, could have his vineyard. So here were two that plunged the nation deep into idol worship. And Ahaz, um, in 1 Kings chapter 22, is wanting to go to war against the Syrians. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, he is there with Ahaz. He goes up to visit Ahaz. And Jehoshaphat was a good king of Judah. He was one that did right in the sight of the Lord. Matter of fact, the Lord makes a comment about how just Jehoshaphat had a tender heart towards him. And Jehoshaphat, I think, in wanting to bring kind of the nation together, would kind of make an alliance with the house of Israel and Ahaz and had his son marry Ahaz and Jezebel's daughter, which ended up bringing terrible consequences later on to the house of Judah down south. 
But here is Jehoshaphat. He's visiting Ahaz. And Ahaz says, hey, Jehoshaphat, why don't you guys join in this battle you know, with the Syrians? And Jehoshaphat answers and says, you know, your people are my people and um, we are one. But Jehoshaphat in his wisdom says, do you have a prophet that we can listen to? And Ahaz says, yeah, I got these guys and they'll prophesy for us. So he brings 400 of these prophets, they're false prophets, and they're saying to Ahaz and Jehoshaphat, yeah, I'll go against the Syrians and do battle with them and you're going to have victory. And they're being all uh, with their theatrics and you know, dramatic and, and all of this. They even were making you know, uh, you know, illustrations like a, a bull that's going to gore the Syrians. You're going to gore them and do it. And Ahaz is feeling good. And Jehoshaphat says, hmm, I don't know about these 400 guys. Do you have a prophet of the Lord? And Ahaz says, I do, Micaiah. But he never says anything good about me. So they bring Micaiah out. And as they're bringing him out, you know, the, the, the Ahaz guys that are bringing Micaiah to him, they're saying, you, Micaiah, you better say something that the king likes to hear. Isn't that the philosophy of the world? Telling us you better say what sounds good to culture and to society and what people want to hear. And Micaiah comes before Ahaz, and, and Ahaz says, you know, Micaiah, should we go against the Syrians? And, and Micaiah says, listen, this is what's going to happen. Thus says the Lord, that you're going to get wiped out. The Syrians are going to clean your clock, and you're a dead man, Ahaz. And Ahaz says, see, he never says anything good about me. But what Micaiah said, even though Ahaz didn't want to hear it, he was being foolish. He ends up going to war against the Syrians. And matter of fact, he pulled a dirty trick on Jehoshaphat, what he did. And Jehoshaphat, you know, he was a good king. And why he did this, he says, you know, Jehoshaphat, why don't you put on my robe, you know, the king's robe to go out to battle. And I'll just kind of go out there. Well, you know, uh, the, the Syrians saw him, Jehoshaphat, do that. It was like a big target on him. And they said, there's the king of Israel. Let's go kill him. And Jehoshaphat cries out. He escapes. But then Ahaz was killed in his chariot, just like Micaiah said, listen, you don't want to be influenced by a fool. You don't want to give heed to them. Where they think they're so wise rather than being corrected and rebuked. Because you'll get your clock cleaned. And you end up, you're going to end up just being wiped out. And I've seen it happen to so many people where they don't have the discernment and they don't have the wisdom to say to the, that one who's being foolish and living foolishly, and you see it in their lives. And, and it isn't that, that we don't, you know, we hate them or, you know, all of that. We love them enough to be able to say, listen, you're going down the wrong road. This is foolish advice and you need to be corrected and rebuked. And this is what the word of God has to say. So I think it's an important consideration when we're dealing with others, because as Christians, we don't want to be influenced by that which is foolish or those who are acting very foolishly. 
And then verse 6, he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and, and drinks violence. And the idea is you give a fool a message to deliver for you, it will cause problems because they'll mess it up. And it will cause trouble for you. And that's true. You know, when um, Absalom in 2 Samuel chapter 18, he tried to take the throne away from his father David. You know the story. And Absalom goes out to battle. David didn't. His 400 mighty men went out to battle and Joab, led by Joab. They said, David, you need to stay here. We're going to go out and we're going to deal with Absalom, who has the nation coming against you. And they went to war. And Absalom, who was, you know, kind of the Fabio of the day and was without spot and blemish is what the scripture says and had this long hair. He's walking on, he's riding on a mule, that is. His hair gets caught up in a tree. How that happens, I don't know, but that's what the Bible records. And he's hanging there. So Joab used him for target practice. And Absalom was killed. So here's Joab. He's got to send that message to David. And so he, he grabs the Cushite. He says, I want you to go, and, and I want you to go and tell David. But uh, there's a guy by the name of Ahimeaz. Ahimeaz is going, Joab, I want to go. I want to tell and Joab says, you don't have a message to give. And he says, I want to go. No, you're not going to go. The Cushite is going to go. And so the Cushite takes off and he starts running to go tell David the news that his son was dead. And we see that, you know, Amehaiah, he's continuing to pester Joab. I want to go. I want to go. I want to run. And Joab says, get out of here. So Amehaiah, he takes off running. He takes off running. He passes the Cushite, and they come to, as they approach where David was, and there's the watchman saying, hey, it looks like Amehahaz, you know, the son of Zadok, one of the priests, he's coming. And he comes, and he reaches David before the Cushite does, and he comes to David. He's huffing and puffing, and, and David says, what's the news of the battle? And he says, there's a lot of a lot of fighting going on. Okay, what about my son? There's a lot of noise going on. What about my son? Well, I don't know. And David was frustrated. And he was very frustrated because he didn't have a message to give. And has messed up the message, didn't have the news to give to him. And then the Cushite, hey, there's another runner coming. It was Cushite. And the Cushite says, David, Absalom is dead. David begins to weep, and he says, oh, my son, Absalom, Absalom. You know, we have a message to give, don't we? We have a message to give to others that the son of David, that is the greater than David, died for you and for me. And he died for sinful humanity. And he went to a cross because of his love for you, for me, and he shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin. And just as we talked about on Sunday, that he is the way. There's no other way to salvation and forgiveness of sin. And Christianity is about relationship with the true and the living God that comes through Jesus Christ and receiving him and recognizing that I'm a sinner just like all of us are and I need forgiveness and I need to come to Jesus, turn to him, surrender my life to him. He proved who he was, the Son of God, as he rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. No one else did that. And so we give our hearts to Jesus. We give the message. 
And we want to give that message very clearly. We want to give the message of the truth of God's word. So as we run in life and as we journey in life, we want to make sure that we give that message. Now, the other side of the spectrum is this. Sometimes people don't want to give that because they're afraid if I don't give it perfectly or, you know, I'm not smart enough, um, you know, tell people what you do know, that Jesus loves you and he died for you. He wants to forgive you and save you. We can tell people that much. And you may not be able to out-debate people or, you know, they'll try to back you into a corner. But it reminds me so much of the John chapter 9 when the man who was born blind and Jesus told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went down and washed and he came up seeing and the religious leaders grabbed him and said, how did he open your eyes? What happened? And, and he's saying, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. And all of us have that testimony. All of us can give the message of the gospel what we know. And we may not know deep theological thoughts and, you know, theories and all of this, but as we continue to grow in the word of God, you're going to have something to say to people who are very, very much confused and hurting and wondering. And that's why I believe it's important that we continue to grow in God's word because you have something to say. You have truth to give, and you're able to give it with clarity and with understanding. So as we continue in verse 7, like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Solomon relates a person whose legs are limp. The spiritual picture is, you know, a fool can't apply a wise proverb. The Bible talks a lot about, you know, being blind spiritually or uh, being, you know, uh, deaf or um, not be able to, to, to walk in, in our walk spiritually. These are all spiritual, you know, idioms that are used in the scripture. Matter of fact, when you go to the book of Leviticus, it talks about that those who weren't able to minister at the tabernacle, if they were blind or if they were deaf or if they, you know, walked with the limp, and, and the application there for us spiritually, the spiritual application is we need to be able to seek, you know, be enlightened, see spiritually. We need to be able to hear spiritually. We need to be able to speak the truth of God's word. We need to be walking with the Lord. We need to be ones that, that are growing in the things of the Lord. So here it's talking about, you know, in a proverb in the mouth of fool. It's like the legs of the lame that hang lip. They just don't know wisdom and they're not going to speak wisdom. And then in verse 8, only a fool would have, uh, um, verse 8, like the one who binds a stone in a sling is, is he who gives honor to a fool. And, um, you know, the slings that they use in ancient times, actually, we're going to bring one back to show you, Okay. And you can get them in Israel. But when David killed Goliath, the, the sling is a leather pouch that you put the rock in. And then there's two long leather uh, straps. And what he did is he just began to swing it. And it's just, you know, it began to, you know, swing harder and harder. And then you're able to release it. And the stone would go out. And, um, of course, David was very proficient in that and killed Goliath. It was like a missile that hit him right in between the eyes. And so you can get those slings. And, you know, it takes a while to practice with it. So we'll, we'll bring it back and, I don't know, have a junior, you know, high event out in the backyard and teach the kids how to do it. 
<laughs> we won't do that. Um, but if you take the rock, the stone, or whatever you're going to use, and you, you bind it to that leather pouch, you got problems. Because when you let go of it, it's going to swing back and it's going to knock you in the head. And so, the, again, that analogy is using of a fool that binds a stone to a sling. When you release it, uh, it's not going to hit the target. It's going to hit you in the head and bounce back. And you don't want to give honor to a fool because you're going to end up knocking yourself out. In verse 9, like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. So again, a person uh, is drunk and a thorn sticks them in the hand. They may not feel it for the moment, but there will be consequences later. And a fool doesn't feel a proverb. He's not given to it. In verse 10, the great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. So a fool's going to receive their due reward, and it's not a good reward. And then verse 11, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. We get the picture, don't we? It's, you know, you read that and you think, yuck. But that's how the Lord looks at one who just continues to do foolish things after foolish things. And unfortunately, perhaps you've seen it, I've seen it, the one who continues to do foolish things, it's like a dog that returns to their vomit. And your heart breaks for them. You end up being very concerned for them. And that's why we need to keep praying for those who are walking after the foolishness of the world. Because it's just not good. It's ugly and it's bad. And, um, and it's like a dog that returns to his own vomit. Do you see a man, verse 12, wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So speaking of, of one who is self-focused and conceited, you know, I, I, I always get weary when very weary when I hear people say, you know, they need me. And I understand, you know, kids need parents and, you know, and, you know, elderly parents need their parents. I understand we need one another. But when it comes to our spiritual growth, we can be there to help and to, to bless and to encourage. But what I'm saying is we, we need Jesus. That's who we need. And we need to point people to Jesus. And the one who is self-focused and conceited, there's more hope for a fool because he may be able to see his folly someday. In other words, being prideful, we see once again, is a very terrible sin. So here in verses 1 through 12, the, the, uh, the, it talks about the fool. Now the lazy man, in verse 13, a lazy man says there's a lion in the road. The fierce lion is in the streets. And that's lazy, the one who has an excuse. No, I can't do this. I, I, I you know, uh, can't go out because there's a lion in the street. It's an excuse for everything. So let's make application once again to our spiritual lives because sometimes we can get into that you know, mindset of I can't do devotions because I got to get up early or I got a busy life and we get lazy spiritually rather than being diligent, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And what I hope and pray is, and I, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys come out Wednesday nights. You guys are coming out in the middle of the week. You're studying God's word. You're coming to Bible studies. You, you're you know, continuing in the things of the Lord. But may we not get lazy spiritually and make excuses. And sometimes Christians will do that. Well, you know, we can't be in church. We can't serve the Lord. We can't continue in Bible study. And, and you know, the excuses just continue and they continue. 
In verse 14, as the door turns on his hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. Uh, you know, just turning, you know, back and forth on your bed. If you want your dreams to come true, they say the first step is get out of bed. So verse 15, the lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. Now that's pretty lazy, isn't it? You can't even bring the food up to your mouth. But again, I pray that you're having devotions. It's a part of your life. In my desire, people ask, what is your, your goal as a pastor to make sure you're the best fed, best loved sheep in Greeley? And the Lord, you know, still doing a work in me. That's, that's my prayer. Lord, I just want to make sure that every time that we study the Bible, that you're honored and there's application and the people are being fed. I don't want to be lazy about Bible study. But here's the thing. You need to be growing too in your devotions and reading the Bible and feeding yourself and doing that on a daily basis. And I'm very privileged and honored to come along and to be able to help you to grow in the Word of God and encourage you. We're very blessed and honored to be able to do that for your children. But you need to feed yourself. And if you're only coming to church once a month or, you know, even once a week and you're not reading the scriptures the rest of the week, you're going to get hungry just as if you didn't eat for a whole week, you would be starving. So we want to be ones that continue to feed on the word of God. Read your Bible every day. You know, read your Bible every day. Have devotions and, and continue to feed yourself. The author of the book of Hebrews, he was saying to those Christian believers, those Hebrew believers, at a time that you should be, you know, mature, you're still, you know, struggling over the basic truths of the scripture. And he says, instead of eating the meat of the word, you're dribbling in milk. And it's very unfortunate that there are Christians that can be years old in the Lord and they haven't grown at all. They haven't grown in the Word of God. They've gotten away from it. And so we don't want to be lazy in being fed the Word of God. And then also, as we have our devotions, as we take in the Word of God, taking the meat of the Word. Uh, we don't want to be years old in the Lord and still dribbling milk. And then um, as we continue in verse 15 or verse 16, a lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So... Um, you know, the one uh, who is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. And then in verse 17 to the end of the chapter speaks about gossip and tale bearers and slanderers. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like the one who takes a dog by the ears. We don't have to be involved in everybody's business. Sometimes we need to be. But we live in a culture and society. We like to meddle in other people's business. And a lot of times, like taking a dog by the ears, you're going to get bit. So be wise. You know, be discerning. And like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. You know, you don't say things to harm or hurt somebody and then say, I was only kidding. I didn't really mean that because it does a lot of damage. People will do things and say things that cause pain and problems and act like, oh, it's no big deal. I didn't mean it. 
In verse 20, where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there's no tail bearer, strife ceases. Now, a tail bearer in the Hebrew here means a gossiper, a slanderer, a whisperer. It's talking about all of that. So, you know, it just adds fuel to the fire and causes strife. In verse 21, a charcoal is to burning coals and a wood to fire. So is the contentious man to kindle strife. And the words of a tail bearer are like tasty trifles and they go down to the innermost body. And so again, um, the one who likes to just listen to juicy gossip. Um, I saw a bumper sticker not long ago. It said, um, I don't repeat gossip. So listen carefully. And um, you know, we, we don't want to be ones that we're just saying things that we shouldn't be saying. A good guideline for me and for all of us, and I got to remember this, if you're talking about somebody, if, if they were there, would you be saying those things? If they were there listening? And if they are ones, and I understand there are times that the work situations, we got to talk about, you know, workers or in confidence about somebody. But really, you know what gossip is and a tail burr and slandering and all of this. If you're talking to somebody else and if that person was there and would you be saying those things, probably it's best that we keep quiet. And to remember what I said a couple weeks ago, that if you're one that talks about someone and you're listening to it, it won't be long that they're going to be talking about you. So, you know, you just want to stay away. We want to stay away from it as much as we can and not add fuel to the fire. And then in verse 23, fervent lips with the wicked heart are like the earthenware covered with silver dross. And he who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. And when he speaks kindly, do not believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. So again, the talebearer, the gossiper may try to disguise their motives or cover up their intentions. And um, may the Lord give us discernment about them and what they're saying and know that their true motives are going to be manifested soon enough. And then verse 27, whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. Uh, David wrote about that. I I believe David wrote about that in Psalm 7. Um, He says this in verse 14, Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. So in other words, if you're digging a pit for somebody to fall in, a lot of times you're going to end up falling into it. A trap, you know, whatever it may be, because the Lord's going to deal with us in those situations. So you dig a pit, you're going to fall into it. And you try to roll a stone, trying to crush somebody, it's going to roll back on you. And in verse 28, we finish, a lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. So uh, we end with uh, this Um, that the one who slanders or lies or flatters with deceptive motives, um, it will ruin others. You know, we give truth, and our speech is to be edifying and uplifting to others and correcting. And we want to be seasoned with salt in our speech, and the Bible talks a whole lot about it. Not tearing down, not gossiping, not slandering, not trying to 
put somebody down so we can be elevated up. The Lord doesn't honor any of that. So, Father, we thank you for this chapter that we went over. And, Lord, I pray that a lot said here that we can take in and consider. And, Lord, so I thank you for this time we've had tonight. And so, um, Lord, may we be wise. May we be wise in um, just receiving your word and living it out. We don't want to walk foolishly in life. We don't want to uh, live as a fool. We don't want to uh, be influenced by those who are doing foolish things, Lord. We want to be in that place where um, we're walking in your safety and in your security because we're walking in your ways. And Lord, we want to bring um, wisdom to others. We want to give a clear message to others of the truth of what you have for us and how you desire to live. And Father, I also pray, um, Lord, that we wouldn't be lazy spiritually, that we would be ones that we would continue with the word of God, continue growing in the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's for all of us. And those seasons or those times where we can kind of just uh, become complacent and lethargic and when the Bible tells us that we are to be sober and vigilant, to be watching, and Lord, especially the days in which we're living in. And Father, also in the words that we say about others, we want to be uplifting and encouraging and speak truth and not tearing others down and uh, not uh, giving in to gossip and, and all of this that we can so easily do in very subtle ways. So Lord, help us to be wise in that area and um, not to add uh, fuel to the fire, um, not to bring hurt to others, uh, not to think that it's not a big deal because it is and it's not pleasing to you. So, Father, we thank you for these lessons. And I thank you that we can be here tonight and be encouraged and blessed in your word. I pray that you take us all home safely tonight. And, Lord, bless our week. And we look forward to meeting again on Sunday as we continue in Luke's gospel. And so, Lord, um, we just ask for that we would just leave here with a heart of thanksgiving, continuing on with you, being led by you in every way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand?